Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In five, four, three, two, one. It's time for the rundown with Bob Sanders. Well, we're waiting. Welcome into the Thursday edition of the rundown. I am Rob Sanders. Thanks for joining me this afternoon on Fox Sports Radio 1400 around the world on the iHeartRadio app. Today, I actually brought somebody in studio that knows more than I do. Come on. Oh, it's it's the truth, man. He knows more than I do. Of course, I'm talking about Coach Eric Wilson, former Gamecock assistant, coached at Blythewood, state championships. I mean, this guy's got rings. I don't have any rings. What's up with that? Hey, you gotta have the hardware, brother. I know, right? I gotta get. I, I, I'm gonna run by your house and grab some of those rings. <laughs> those rings. Anyway, I bring you in today because you work with our best Gamecock coverage on News Radio 560 WVOC, and you can uh, help me out with the X's and O's front as far as what's going on with Tavian Feaster. Of course, the high profile. I say high profile because I think this it's it's a five star recruit basically going to South Carolina. Uh, for one season, it's like a hired mercenary. Basically, <laughs> the guy's already got his degree. Yeah, and twenty ninth, I think, nationally on the ESPN list coming out of Spartanburg High School when he yeah, signed with Clemson. Very special, but couldn't quite make his way up the depth chart at Clemson. And I'm not sure what exactly happened there. Maybe it's just Travis Etienne is better. I don't know, but I mean, he came out highly touted in high school, and now he's going to move to South Carolina. And my biggest question for you is, what do you think the Gamecocks are going to do with him offensively? I mean, are they going to move away from what they have been doing? Does it change a lot as far as the running game goes? No, I don't think so. When you look at why did he leave Clemson, and you can speculate that all day long, but honestly, I think you're right. I mean, Travis Etienne is a difference maker as a back, and Clemson's just one of those places where, you know, if you look at what Feaster's done over there, he averaged almost six yards a carry. Now, I know he didn't get as many carries as he wanted, but over the course of three seasons, you know, about 220 carries, 1,300 yards, 15 touchdowns. The guy's got game-breaking speed, um, and his average yards per carry was better than anybody on the Carolina roster by a couple of yards easily. So when you look at what could South Carolina do with him, I don't think they're going to significantly change what they do in the offense other than the fact that one of the biggest downfalls that, that I've seen with the South Carolina running game over the last few years is not so much scheme. I really like what they've kind of gone to and done, especially with the addition of Brian McClendon as the offensive coordinator. But the biggest thing that I see when I watch these backs is kind of a lack of vision. I mean, so many times when I watch the way that the offensive line performed last year, you got plays that should have been four, five, six-yard gains. They end up being or two or three because the back misses the hole, runs up into the guard's butt. Uh, and then you've also got situations where Carolina just doesn't break plays. And so, if anything, more than anything, from a running back perspective, they need a game-breaking back who, when he hits the second level, if he can make a linebacker miss, has got a chance to take it all the way to the house. And they don't have that in any of their backs right now. Well, And one thing that has been uh, out there a good bit is that Tavian Feaster was, was said by the Clemson coaches to be the best pass protector 
in the running back group. Is that something that uh, that maybe the Gamecocks have lacked in the past couple seasons? Well, I think it's something that one of the questions that we've talked about before on the pregame show and it is why does South Carolina rotate so many running backs? And that's one of the reasons that they rotate backs because they don't have a back that does everything well. So when you watch them in pass protection, Mon Denson tends to be a better guy in protection than Rico Dowdle is, which is one of the reasons I think you started to see him more towards the end of the season when he got healthy. But they all do something a little bit better than the other one. One guy sees the hole better. One guy's better in pass protection. And I think Feaster's probably better at most things than any of them. So the real question is, is this a team that's going to still be running back by committee? Or is Feaster that much better that he comes in and he really becomes more of a featured back and the other guys are filling in a spot duty? And moving into this season, though, with, uh, with Feaster heading in now, according to Clemson's calendar... The summer session doesn't end until August the 5th. The Gamecocks reported today. If he's able to get out of school and, and, and get down here by say, by, say, the 5th, does missing those four days, will that really cut a piece of, uh, of what he needs to pick up going into, uh, into fall camp? No. I mean, four days is, you know, it's, if you're a freshman, sure. But if you're a guy who's been in, in uh, major college football for three years and, and you're on a team that's won national championships and is in a national championship game – He's a guy who's used to competing at a high level. Uh, he's a guy who's used to assimilating a lot of information, and they're going to have a plan to get him up to speed. So that's not going to be an issue in terms of him being ready. You mentioned um, having having like a big playmaker as far as South Carolina goes on the running back front. If you look at Feaster's numbers from last season, the most amount of carries he got was 10 against Georgia Southern, and he finished with 32 yards in that game. But he got six carries against Louisville for 101 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, nine carries against South Carolina, 63 yards. But the big thing here is, is if you look at the uh, the yards per carry, it's at seven against South Carolina. I know they had a lot of issues with their defense last year, but when he gets five or more carries, he does seem to start churning up yards, and he always seems to have some sort of explosive play there. Yeah, I mean, when you look at his, his average yards per carry over his entire career at Clemson, it's right at six. So it, it's one thing to cherry pick you know, one season over this or that or right. a few games. But over his entire career, he's averaged six yards a carry. And I think it really has been a situation where the place where ETN is probably better than Feaster is just his physical style. When you look at the strength that Travis has and the way that he breaks tackles, that's where he really improved his game between the previous season and last season. And I think that's probably one of the reasons that Feaster didn't see quite as much playing time. Now, there's no Travis Etienne in the backfield for South Carolina. So right. the, the competition level is completely different. Obviously, you've got to see him play, and nobody's given anything. I mean, Muschamp's made that very clear. That's how it works. But the yeah, reality but of it is, if he yeah, comes in and he's a be better honest. player, I mean, Let, he's going to play. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Just by what you – just the eye test, it looks like he should start immediately or be the feature back. The the, the balance of the whole thing is, is balance in the locker room, right? So right. you can't just – Obviously, as a coaching staff, uh, and they may well know. I mean, they've got tons of film on them. It, it's not hard as a coach to sit there and go, hey, we're a ton better with him than we are with our other three, if that's what you really believe. But you also have to manage that with your existing team so that they don't feel like he's being given something. So what they're going to have to do through camp is work him into the rotation, give him reps. But honestly, if he's better, it's not going to be hard for everybody to see that and know that. And, and you can't, as a player – 
be uptight about somebody better than you being in that spot. I mean, Muschamp talks about that all the time. Nobody's got a job locked up. you got to win it. Do you think, and, and speaking of the locker room chemistry there, if you're a guy like uh, a Rico Dowdle or, or even a Mon Denson, does bringing this guy in kind of upset the apple cart a little bit? Depends who you are as a person. I mean, if you're there really because you want the best team you can have, obviously everyone's competitive. You wouldn't be in the sport if you weren't, and you want to be on the field. But at the same time, if you recognize that somebody really is better than you, and that's the, the focus for you is, is we want to put the best team possible we can on the field, then sometimes you've got to live with something you may not love just because you're a good team player and that's what you're there for. And the reality of it is injuries happen all the time, so you can't be – one of these guys, you know, like, like a, you know, let's say you're Rico Dowdle and Feaster comes in and after two or three weeks it's just obvious he's significantly better. And you right. kind of thought you were going to be the guy. You're one play away from being the guy again. And if you're walking around with your head hung down and you're an attitude problem, you're not going to be the guy. So you've got to make sure you stay in line and you've got to be a team guy. Do you think they need to use basically the example that Feaster set? He was never a problem at Clemson. Always did what he was supposed to do. Graduated, no, no real whatever. They asked him at the Cotton Bowl about possibly transferring, and he's like, "Man, I'm worried about winning the game here." I mean, should they use that as the example with with the guys they've got down there? Maybe I don't, they, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, I know a lot of the fans get really uptight about you know we don't want to be Clemson or whatever, but at the end of the day, you want your program to be where Clemson's program is right now. I right. mean, that's your goal is to be competing for SEC championships and to be playing on the national level. So. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with pointing out, hey, this this is a guy who waited his turn. He was a team player. He's in a position where, you know, he can compete for something. This is where he wants to be. You're going to get the same opportunity, Rico, Mon, whoever you are. No one's given a job. You can go out there and win it if you're better than him. But if he's better than you, he can go out there and win it from you. It does kind of fill up the running back room, though, uh, with this late heading right into fall camp. But one of the guys in the room, A.J. Turner, may move over to defense. Now, if you watched A.J. Turner last season, he kind of looked a little bit lost in the belt bowl. And I'm not saying that's his fault. He's trying to learn a position on the fly. But if you're a Gamecock fan, are you kind of like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> if this guy's going to be in the mix at defensive back, that's kind of scary. Well, I think you got a couple things going on last year. Obviously, they got really thin. I mean, when you look, you know, the two guys that were starting at safety at the beginning of the year, Nick Harvey and JT Ebay, were both out at the time. There were other guys that were hurt. I mean, the secondary literally was a walking wounded squad by the time you right. got to the last part of the season. So it wasn't that they moved him over there because they wanted to. They put him over there literally out of necessity because they were running out of bodies. With that being said... I mean, you talk about a guy who's pretty much played offense his entire career, and you don't even have the offseason to get ready for a position change. They threw him on defense in the middle of the season. Literally one week he's playing offense, the next week he's getting reps on defense. So I don't fault him for that. I mean, it's a hard thing to pick up, and with a position change like that, I would assume that they would have gotten him a lot of work on the defensive side of the ball this offseason and he's going to be much more comfortable in that situation if he's asked to do that this year. All right, so moving along now, some other questions for the Gamecocks as we uh, head into the season here. We're going to look at the games here as we go throughout the season, uh, throughout the show, not the season, Rob. Get, get your head together, man. <laughs> but there are some definite, definite uh, questions that the Gamecocks have going into camp. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the wide receivers. You know, last year, Debo Samuel was on, on his own, basically. 
I mean, it, it was like he was on his own planet. Everybody else was just trying to keep up. Um, he drew double teams every game. This year, it looks like Brian Edwards is going to be leaned on to kind of take over that leadership role as far as the wideouts go. But uh, who's going to help him out? Well, I think when you look at the way they used Brian last year, it was pretty effective because Debo was kind of the game breaker, the guy who was slippery and, and was a big play guy. But honestly, when you look at who did they throw the ball to vertically downfield, that was Brian a lot of the time. He's a taller receiver. Uh, he's kind of like you know some of the guys that we've seen in the past. They're not four four guys, but they're six four guys that can go up and get the ball. Um, you know, who, and we South Carolina's had two or three of those guys in the last ten years, and he's a little bit more like that. He's not your, you know, what they did with Debo a lot was he ran a lot of crossing routes. They would run him on shallow crosses. They might run him out of the backfield, give him reverses. Brian's not that guy. Brian's the guy that you're going to run posts to, fades to, deep curls to, um, and he's tall and going to get over the top. But one thing you did start to see towards the end of the year, I think from the immersion of who's that other guy that might fill Debo's shoes, and that's Shy Smith. I mean, towards the end of the year, they got a lot of mileage from him out of the slot in terms of running him on wheel routes, things that Debo used to do, uh, getting one-on-one matchups with a nickelback and taking advantage of those things with him and, and running deep fade routes with him. So I think Shy is going to be a guy that you're looking to to be one of those big playmakers. And then uh, on the younger side of things, Ortre Smith's a guy um, that's given him some mileage. I do think Josh Van is going to probably be the third guy. And, and from what I've seen, they're probably going to move Shy to the outside. Uh, and then Josh is probably going to be in the slot. What do you think about the tight end situation? Are they going to get to a point where they utilize the tight end more and and make them more of a pass catcher than an actual blocker? Maybe using a guy like, like Will Register or Keyshawn Tony, the one of the freshmen? I mean, I hope so. I you know, just this is a personal thing with me. I love the tight end position. I think it's really hard to cover. Uh, I think it's it's easier to create create mismatches from the tight end position in the passing game. Uh, and those guys get lost easier. You know, when you're lining up in in four wide receivers and you've got a three by one formation, meaning three wide receivers to one side, one wide receiver to the other side those three receivers that are kind of split out together, it's easier to cover that number three guy inside than it is to cover a tight end. Right. Uh, you just, they tend to, they recognize them easier. They're not bunched up with the offensive line. The tight ends are in the run game. And so they always come off and they look like they're blocking and the linebackers step up. Lots of times you can suck the safeties up on play action. So I hope that they get guys like register and, Pollard and those guys more involved in the passing game this year. Right. Um, that means more play action. Mm-hmm. It also means more bootlegs and things like that, which when you saw South Carolina make commitments to those kinds of things in certain games, they were very effective. It just didn't seem like it was part of what they believed to be their core personality on offense. Right. And so hopefully, especially with the addition of a guy like Feaster, um, if your running game is better, then your ability to throw play action – bootleg, things like that, and throw to the tight end becomes much more effective if that's something that you do as part of your game plan. Now, I remember you mentioning something on uh, one of our pregames last year where you were talking about uh, the run-pass option. and, and you hear- With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk about that a lot. Um, do you think the Gamecocks may do more or less of that this season? Because you said yourself, a lot of times the run pass option is something you can use to kind of camouflage a weak offensive line. Yeah, I think – I mean, you don't see it as much with Jake. I just don't think they like to run Jake that much. Um, a lot of that, too, comes down to how do you feel about who's behind him. Right. You know, and in last year's situation, um, you pretty much knew Michael Skarnecki was the next guy in. Um, to carry on Joyner was a true freshman, and they were trying not to play him. So I think from their perspective, they really didn't want Jake to get hurt. And if you're running a decent amount of – uh, zone read and, and RPOs where the actual quarterbacks got an uh, opportunity to keep the ball, then you're, you know, you've got to consider the fact that he could get his bell rung and be out. So would you think that they should go with an option of, of maybe, because I've said for the longest time that I think that to carry on Joyner, if he wants to play quarterback, I think he should go somewhere else. And I'm not, it's not a negative thing against him. It's just that I don't think he's shown enough to the coaches that he could be a quarterback in the sec, but he can play quarterback somewhere. But do you think that maybe, as, as kind of a token to keep him in the system and to keep him going, maybe have a couple of packages where he's in there and he can actually run some of that stuff? Well, I think that if you think as an offensive coordinator uh, and as well as, as the head coach, if you think that, that putting the carry-on joiner in in a limited package makes you better as an offense, then, right. then yeah, do it. If you're just doing it because you're kind of looking for a change-up or a way to keep him happy, then no, don't do it. I mean, at okay. the end of the day, you got to get – you got to put your best players on the field. I mean, there's teams that have done that in the past where they've just got a guy who, hey, I think this guy's an incredible athlete. I don't want him sitting on the bench the whole game. Texas did it. Yeah, let's give him 10 ago. or 15 yeah. snaps a game, whatever. Right. Um, but with that being said, if, if you look at what they did last year, on the times that they did run zone read, Jake was really effective. Like, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he read it well. They don't defend him in the run game because they don't really think of him as a run threat. And I, I don't know the numbers, but I could pretty much tell. I bet I'd, if he averaged six yards a carry, I bet I'm right. So you've got that threat, but behind him, you've got better quarterbacks this year, right? Right. So you've got Halinski, which, you know, obviously they know a lot more about what he's doing in camp than we do. But if you feel like he's a viable guy to come in and really be a player for you and Joyner's got a year under his belt, you're probably going to feel a little bit less afraid to run your quarterback than you were in the situation last year. Coach Eric Wilson joining us here on the rundown this afternoon. Tell folks where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, so on Twitter, I am under Coach Eric Wilson, and we do basically during game day. I'm posting stuff all during the games. On it's it's one of the best back and forths ever. I, it really is. I don't want to make comments on whether it's the best, but I appreciate you saying that. But I do say I will try it's, to. It's informative. I interact with anybody that wants to interact during the games. Uh, if if fans say, hey, you know, why they do this or why they do that, I always answer it. I try to look at and the comments that I make about Carolina during the games, I try to make all those comments about schemes. I don't get on there and say that was stupid or that was this. I'll right. say, here's what I saw, here's why they did that, or that was a great play by the safety, or that was this, or that was a great call because of this. And so if you like uh, some information that's scheme-related, just you know, follow me during the games. All right, so we're going to take a quick break when we come back. I want to take a quick look at the Gamecock schedule and get your thoughts uh, heading into into the season. Tough schedule this year for the Gamecocks. <laughs> you are not kidding. But uh, we'll look at that in just a moment. Coach Eric Wilson joining us here on The Rundown on Fox Sports Radio 1400.
Welcome back to the rundown. I'm Rob Sanders. I went and got a guy that got got some championship rings. I feel like I'm the South Carolina Gamecocks today. <laughs> go go and get somebody that's got some rings if you don't have any. I didn't wear them though. I, you didn't tell me to bring them in. I got. You know what? That that's what you need to do for pregame. You need to wear one of your one of your rings. I'll have my whole handful. Oh goodness. Well, <laughs> then you can let me borrow one. Come on. That's that's that's. I'm always amazed by those rings. Like they don't expect you to wear those things. They're so massive. You know what's huge. funny? They're so much better now. Like I was the first ring I ever got was when I was part of the the first Carolina team to ever win a bowl game at the right. Carquest Bowl, right? Well, the high school ring that I got at Hammond when we won the state championship is like twice as big. The rings have gotten. <laughs> I mean, you literally wear them as belt buckles now. Of course, Eric Wilson, former Gamecock assistant and of course high school coach, running around coaching, doing all kind of stuff. Uh, kind of like our 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 college football expert analyst on the X's and O's. I just run my mouth because, you know, I love the sport, but Coach Wilson here has actually been on the sidelines and, uh, and knows his stuff. But, you know, we were talking a lot about uh, the Gamecocks with different things uh, as far as quarterbacks and running backs and stuff like that. What are some of the areas you think they need to improve heading into the season? So I know we talk about this every year, but honestly, both sides of the ball, South Carolina's got to get better in the running game. On the offensive side of the ball, they've got to get better at running it. They've still only averaged 152 yards a game rushing last year, so they've got to figure out how to be a better rushing team consistently. But then on the defensive side of the ball, Carolina gave up almost 200 yards a game average rushing, which was 95th in the country. Right. Horrendous. And if you can't stop the run, then you've got problems. And that kind of leads into one of the – just from a personnel standpoint, everyone talks about the back end. But in defending the pass, South Carolina was serviceable. Where they really weren't good is on the run, and that came down to really poor play from the linebackers, which, quite honestly, I think that has to do with personnel. We were not very good at linebacker last year. Do you think that T.J. Brunson's kind of regressed? I don't think he's regressed. I just don't think they've done a good job surrounding him with people that are up to his level of play. I mean, at the time when Sky Moore was here and Brunson was here, we had better support players. Now you've got, I mean, honestly, and I'm not saying this to be, you know, hateful or difficult, but Sherrod Green is not an SEC caliber linebacker. From I mean, I've watched him for an entire season last year. I know he's going to start for South Carolina, but guy, if he's starting for you, you're not as good at linebacker as you should be. Uh, and then the defensive line surprised me a little bit last year. I thought they were better than I expected them to be, but South Carolina only had 22 sacks out of the entire defense, and 14 of them only came from the defensive line. So the running game starts at the defensive line. Those guys got to be big and tough enough that they can demand double teams, which last year they did not do. If you can't demand double teams up front, then that means you've always got a body on your linebackers. And your linebackers at South Carolina right now, other than TJ, are not good enough to beat those kind of blocks. So they got to get better in the front seven. Back to the linebackers, though, it seemed like last season when Bryson Allen uh, Williams went down, it seemed like the linebackers just completely teetered off. And maybe that was where I was thinking that, okay, it looks like Brunson's out there, but maybe it looks like he's coming off a little bit. I mean, do you think that that maybe that had a lot to do, especially with last season, but heading into this year, are they going to miss Bryson Allen Williams? Well, I mean, the way they used Bryson, I almost didn't even look at Bryson – Allen Williams as a linebacker. I know he's listed as one, but very often they were playing with three down linemen and he was your rush guy, right? So they almost, they, they ran, yeah, he's a linebacker, they, but they really played him like a rush end because he was their best pass rusher. Right. So even when he was healthy, most of the time he was an edge rusher 
And he's not one of those guys that you had up in the middle trying to stop the run. Yeah, he was responsible for the lateral, you know, for outside runs and things like that. But the inside guys are the guys, you know, the, the Sky Moore being gone last year, like that was a real hole that you saw on that defense. And TJ is a good player. He's not as good as Sky. But then when Sherrod Green stepped in and the other linebackers, no one even came close to getting us as good as we were the year before. And those guys were absorbing blocks more than they were taking them on. All right, so lots of things to think about there, especially on the linebacking front there. But let's look at the Gamecock schedule um, for this upcoming season. Now, I, I've been in the camp of I think that you need to schedule 10 Power 5 teams. I think that's eventually what's going to happen anyway. Uh, I, I think the way that Alabama schedules their stuff is just absurd to me where they, they don't do home-and-homes with anybody, and it's just a mess. But uh, South Carolina, of course, they're doing – they have two non uh, two non – Power, they have two Power 5 teams that are out-of-conference opponents with Clemson and North Carolina. You know, North Carolina, when you look at that game, uh, Mac Brown coming back, I, I think that South Carolina should have the horses to handle that, but I don't think it's going to be easy pickings. If you look at North Carolina over the past four seasons, they've been in the top 25 as far as recruiting goes, so he's got some players up there. But then you hear the, the red flag story to me was, they move their starting quarterback to linebacker. <laughs> that that to me is like, wait, what? And he's gonna play. That's the that's the other thing. So, but uh, how do you, how do you think that's gonna affect the Gamecocks opening up the season with a Power Five opponent? Well, I think it's it just makes things harder. Obviously, you've got to have all your ducks in a row when you're playing them. I do think North Carolina will be better. Um, you know, everyone's got their opinion about Mac Brown, but the guy's won everywhere he's gone. And the one thing he knows how to do is play physical football. And like you said, North Carolina's had really good recruiting classes. They've probably been one of the most underachieving football teams, at least in the ACC uh, in the last few years. So I think he's going to go in there. He's going to instill some discipline in that group that hasn't been there. And my guess is you're going to see that team play a lot better than you've seen them, which is not great because South Carolina's perception going into it. The coaches are going to say all the right things, but kids are kids. These are, You're playing with kids that are 18 to 22 years old. And their perception of North Carolina is going to be what they were last year. So hopefully they don't want let that one sneak up and bite them on the butt. Um, but then heading down the schedule, it just gets tougher from there. Charleston Southern, Alabama at home. Anytime you get Alabama on your schedule, it's it's going to be a tough road to hoe anyway. But the SEC road games this year are not pleasant. Going to Missouri, Missouri's thought to have – uh, definitely a good offense this year with uh, with Kelly Bryant and then Roundtree Jr. at running back. Um, Kentucky is kind of a you know you automatically and I remember you talking in the po- the pregame last year. South Carolina had better players than Kentucky at a lot of different spots, but until you show it on the field, I mean that that's like a dragon they've got to slay this season. Kentucky is one of those teams, and I I mean I've been here for twenty something years. I started coaching at Carolina in ninety three. And Kentucky is one of those teams that South Carolina has always had a bugaboo with. I, I don't know what it is about them. Even when they've got better players, when South Carolina has better players, they struggle with them. And I think well, that road schedule that you're talking about, not only is it where they're going, but look at who they play the week before. Right. So their first road game is at Missouri, but they've got to play Alabama. So they're coming out of an Alabama game to go on their first road game. Uh, they do have an open date, but they got to go to Georgia on their next road game. So – and then when they they get done with that, they come <laughs> home they to play home, Florida. Play Florida at home before they go on the road to Tennessee. So they don't have other than the open date before Georgia, um, and then, then obviously when they're at Texas A and M, they got App State. 
But two of those four road games, they've got top ten opponents in front of them at home. So it, not only are you going on the road to good football teams, but you're coming off of difficult games that are going to be physically taxing and potentially coming out of those with injuries and at the very least getting beat up really well. The rest of the schedule, though, going to Tennessee, I think that uh, I, I'm a guy that maybe I'm just reading too much Tennessee stuff, but it seems like Jeremy Pruitt went in and realized, hey, one of our biggest problems here is that we're getting our butts kicked in the trenches, and he went hardcore on the JUCO end and got a lot of top-rated junior college guys on the defensive line and the offensive line. Is that a good way to build a program when you've been down in the dumps so long? Well, it's not a good way to build a program, but it's a good way to patchwork a program. So obviously, you know, you can recruit skill guys to come in and fill wide receiver positions as freshmen and sometimes running back. It's really hard to go out and get linemen like that. So linemen take a couple years to develop. They've got to get big enough and strong enough to be able to handle themselves at the SEC level. So if you're going to plug a hole and you know you've got to get better fast, the only way you can really do that on the line is to get some JUCO guys in there. The biggest problem and the key is you got to make sure they fit the personality of your team. Because if you bring the wrong guy in, he can throw a huge problem into your locker room. So it's it, you really have to measure is their ability and their personality and their demeanor the kind of thing that's going to fit with this program because they're only going to be here two years. Good stuff from Coach Eric Wilson. I think the first shot has been fired in the rivalry war from Coach Muschamp, according to Josh Kendall from The Athletic. He uh, tweeted out a few minutes ago, New USC President Robert Castellan, retired lieutenant general, has promised ice cream at the president's house for all athletic teams that beats Clemson. Will Muschamp says, I like chocolate chip. <laughs> that th- that coming from Will Muschamp is absurd, right? Because normally he gives you absolutely nothing. It's far enough away that he probably thinks that he doesn't have any billboard <laughs> fodder out of that. But I promise you Clemson's going to have chocolate chip on their billboard before camp starts. Uh, I, can see, I can see the folks, uh, the Clemson fans going crazy right now. All right, Coach Wilson, I, I would like to bring you back at some point uh, Anytime, before the season friend. to break down Clemson's schedule and yeah. what Clemson's got because Let's they've got some stuff too with uh, – I'm kind of on the front. Like you're starting carry on uh, Darion Kendrick at, at cornerback. Well, and uh, I love talking Clemson. I've got Jeff Scott's a really good friend of mine. He and yeah. I coached together at Blythewood. I worked for his dad at South Carolina. So I love talking about Clemson too. All right. Well, we'd love to have you back in on that, man. But until then, follow him on Twitter. He's at Coach Eric Wilson. And uh, thanks for coming in today, man. Baseball talk when we come back. JR from the 803 podcast joins us to talk about the Major League Baseball trade deadline and what America's team – the Atlanta Braves did to try to win a World Series, and then they were thwarted by the Houston Astros. More of that in just a moment. You'll listen to The Rundown on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. 
That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome back to the rundown. Special thanks to Coach Eric Wilson for uh, joining us today here on the show. And and I told Coach Eric Wilson, obviously, when he came on the air, bring somebody on the air who knows more than you do. We keep that up now with my partner on the 803 Baseball Nerdcast. Who knows more baseball than I do? I do? You absolutely do. Okay. JR. I need to get back into it. I, I, I'm still trying to get back into it. <laughs> Are you still talking about that sport where they wear sweaters? Oh, yeah, man. Nobody cares. No, no, I, I, I care. Well, no. A lot. Yeah, but you well, know what? I, I will say this. For the first time. Did, did, uh, no, I got to ask, since okay. you brought it up. Okay. Did did base, did uh, the, the sport where you wear sweaters, mm-hmm. does that have an effect on your dating life? Um, ooh, I don't know. You, uh, would, you, you would have to ask my ex-girlfriends. Oof. <laughs> craziness yeah buddy i well, don't know jr is going to kick rocks with us for uh, the last little bit of the show here and we're going to talk a lot about uh, major league baseball including the trade deadline yesterday and i tell you what i think the houston astros made a move that i think guarantees them pretty much a world series spot. yeah i would say that uh because obviously you have to be hot you have to be playing very well when it comes to October, and you need to have the breaks come your way for you to be able to win it all. You know, mm-hmm. not always the best team wins the World Series, uh, but the hottest team you usually does. And when you have it, so, so that's your together. theory. Is no, that- it, it is. A, it's a damn good theory. I mean, you, you know, <laughs> uh, you know what, and, and it usually works because how how many uh, teams that you know of that you know made a big huge run at the end. They got hot. They were playing well. They didn't have any injuries, and then they then they win the the whole darn thing. So, well, I agree with you on that. But uh, that move, though, I mean, what do you think about them getting Zach Green? No, to that's help out uh, that, uh, that's that pretty rotation? huge. And uh, I don't see, I you know, unless another team gets hot, man, you you know, those guys look like they're going to be world champions again, and I think they deserve it. I, I think so, too, but, I mean, you have Grinky, who's 35, Verlander's up there in years, too. Uh, Garrett Cole, I think, is a younger guy, but, I mm-hmm. mean, do, do you think well, that Well, this they is may... it right here. Right. The, this is it right here, especially for Verlander. You know, if if you're an older pitcher, uh, then, you, you know, you see this as a as it. What, what do you mean by it? It's like they, like, they needed like to get... Like, this is your final chance. Okay. If, if you want to win a ring... Go for it right now. Let's do this. Don't wait until next year or the year after. Let's let us let us do this right now, especially since he is a um, an active member. Uh, that's that's doing. You know, he's pitching really well this season. Who's to say that he he's not going to have injuries? Right. You know. Well, and I I think that uh, in in the coming years. But I I think that three man rotation there with Garrett Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Grinky and of course uh, Justin Verlander. I think that's just that's just lights and they're out. so fun to watch. You know, you know what I worry about with Zach Grinky though is that Zach Grinky has had some issues with like some some yeah. uh, anxiety disorder stuff, mm-hmm. and I wonder if getting into a pennant race and that kind of thing maybe some of that will come back. I'm not mocking what he's got. No, no, because trust me, not. that's a problem. But 
I just wonder in the grand scheme of things if that's something that may trip him up just a little bit. Well, he had a very huge no trade list. Right. And uh, probably based on that, uh, you know, does is, you know, playing baseball in Houston is probably a lot different than playing baseball in St. Louis or for the Cubs or, or the for, Yankees or the or Yankees or the, the Red, Red Sox, Sox because they're watching your every move. Oh yeah, you know, and 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 not to say that Astro fans aren't as great as a fans as as other uh, intense fan bases, but you would think that in you know you can probably just go just about anywhere in Houston and and, and not be mobbed. Or like, oh, is that Grinky? Are, are you going to screw it up tonight? Or you know, you know <laughs> I don't think you're going to get that in in Houston. I, I don't I don't know about all that, but I do think that um, maybe that has a little bit to do with it. I don't uh, as far as heading on with that. Yeah. Uh, one of the side notes from that is that uh, to get to get that uh, to get Grinky to Houston, they had to trade Seth Beer, their first round draft pick from last season, and Seth Beer was tearing it up at Double A, hitting two ninety nine. Uh, 16 homers, 52 RBIs, and 60 games this season. That's pretty impressive. You know, the the one thing that I I, I found in in all of the trade deadline stuff, you know, obviously you had the big winner, I think, are the Astros. But you had other teams that made some trades that you're like, huh? Uh, What are they doing? And like the Reds. Yeah, uh, I think that helped them out a lot for their future. I think you also, I mean, you know, hey, I know this is Bruce Bochy's last year, but you know, uh, they they made a tad of improvement as well. And then you had um, the the Marlins uh, t- trading some people and for their future. And I'm not saying that the how Marlins about, are just going to be about, amazing, but you're you have some teams that weren't really necessarily in this whole right. battle. Yeah. Who's who's not really thought of in this battle, but they're making trades to be able to improve their team and get themselves in a better spot for 2020, maybe even 2021. Well, we'll find out about that. I want to talk to you about our good friends, the Mets, when we come back. And, of course, America's team, the Atlanta Braves. We'll talk about them in just a little bit. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here on the rundown. Follow JR. He is on Instagram at what? Yeah, DJ Jonathan Reed. Also, same thing on Twitter, right? No, Jonathan underscore Reed. Why can't you just have one name? Hey, you know what? be so negative. Get off my freaking back. It's ridiculous. Have one name. What's wrong with you? Oh, I just realized my Instagram is different than my Twitter. Whoops. Yeah. (laughs) More of the rundown in just a moment. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio 1400. You know, sometimes the show, like in between the show, is, is actually really good here. Yeah. Folk, folks on Facebook Live uh, just heard where Jonathan Reed wants to go. Said, no, I, I don't want to go there. You but said you want to go. I, I, I'm, I'm of interest. Oh, okay. So you're of interest, but you don't want to go? You know what? I want to <laughs> see college girls make some money. College students. <laughs> There you go. Anyway, all right, Jr. from the 803 Baseball Nerdcast. Follow him on Twitter. He's at uh, um, what is it? Uh, DJ Jonathan Reed. DJ on Jonathan the IG Reed on on Instagram. And Jonathan, that's that's J O N A T H A N underscore Reed R E E D. You're so complicated. My my no. Twitter- p- some people don't know how to spell names. It's, it's not my fault. Ah uh, well, you could just have one name. Anyway. But but anyway, we we were listening we were to uh, meet, meet, meet the, the Mets. Mets. Meet the Mets. There you go. There's yeah, here we the go. Mets. 
Yeah. But anyway, the Mets, I don't know what they're doing. They, they traded away these guys to get Marcus Stroman for what? Why? I, I don't understand. Some pe- Somebody needs to shake them and tell them, look, yeah, that's not a very good move. But then they were talking about trading one of their other pitchers. I, I don't get what the Mets Yeah, uh, shaking a baby is bad. Shaking the Mets just seems like, you know, the right thing to do. <laughs> Well, I think one of the biggest winners, though, we talked about the Houston Astros, but I really like what the Atlanta Braves did. They got three great Mm -hmm. bullpen arms, including what some people say is the best bullpen, the best closer in Shane Green from Detroit. Yeah, and you know what? I think it's right now, you you know, that that, that Eastern (laughs) division should be done. You know, you want to think that, it's but done. Washington has, I think, first of all, the Phillies, thank you for playing. Yeah. The Phillies season is over. But the Washington Nationals, in my opinion, I think they've got enough where they can bounce back and do a little bit here or there. But the Braves seem to have, have really put put kind of a, a noose on it, getting Shane Green and Mark Mellencon, which I don't understand the, the get taking on that much money, but... What the Braves did do is they gained control of those guys, not only through this season. They didn't get a rental. They got them through next season as well. I think that's a big deal. And then getting Chris Martin from Texas. Everything the Atlanta Braves did yesterday I thought was really good. They didn't really give up the farm for it either, except for taking on uh, Melancon's big contract there. But I I think just solid moves for the Atlanta Braves. You know, and then uh, also the other big move I I thought was really good yesterday, the Cubs. You know, yeah, and they got Castellanos, and right. you know he just you know does very well against left-handed pitching, and you know it it's very crazy on on how, and I've said this before, the Cubs. You look at that lineup, you, you look at everything else about that about that franchise, about that right. team, and they are the bright kid who is a C student. You know, they're, they're an over an, an underachiever. Yeah. yeah and and, you know, and a lot of people like to moan and gripe about Joe Madden. And I don't think this is all about Joe Madden either. I think that, you know, their uh, their bullpen definitely needs a lot of help. And then, you know, everybody else is like, oh, Joe, you're doing this wrong or you're doing that wrong. OK, well, at some point uh, it it has to be on Theo, too in the upper management on not getting those guys the bullpen help that they needed. And also the other thing, too, is that those guys can't win on the road. You know, they have not won a road series since right. mid-May. Yeah. I mean, you're, I mean waiting, you're waiting for me to stop you. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not in the boat with the Cubs. I think the NL is going to come down to the Braves and the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. I think the AL is pretty much set up where it's going to be the Yankees and the Astros. Something that was interesting to me yesterday, though, the evil empire. And what I mean by that are the two teams that ruin baseball, the Atlanta Braves and it's not the Atlanta Braves, the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. The team that basically they just go out and just use everybody else as a farm team. Those two teams did not make a move yesterday. Yeah, And a lot of it's come back to the Boston Red Sox have the biggest payroll in baseball. And yeah, well, some things well, what kind of move need. are you going to make? Well, that's if, the whole if thing. you're the Boston Red They're Sox. They're paying Pablo Sandoval eighteen million dollars this year. Yeah, thank you. And thank, I mean, he's not going to. He's not going to be that game-changing type player that they always wanted anyway. But they're paying him eighteen million dollars, and the reality is that they they just don't have the money to spend. And when you you when you have that 
you don't have the ability to go and do something, right? It really can hamper a season. But the Red Sox are what two games out of the wild card race. So, I mean, they could still make the playoffs. But on the other hand, the Yankees not making a move. I think what that says about them is they think that uh, Luis Severino is going to come back and he's going to help anchor up some of the pitching staff. But it's really weird to not have some move of some sort with those two teams at the trade deadline. Yeah, and then also the, the other thing for me, being a Cardinals fan, I mean, they were in first place yesterday. They, they still are in first place today. Uh, I would think that they're underachieving uh, a, a lot, and uh, they make no move whatsoever. And then, you, you know, as a Cardinal fan, you, you see your rival, the Cubs, who has less of a, uh, a farm system, and then they do something. Are you upset? And, you know, He's the Cardinals there. don't do anything. Yeah. All right. Well, quickly before we get you out of here, at the trade deadline, quick look at the standings. Yankees lead the East by 7.5 over the Rays. The Rays, by the way, are a heck of a baseball team. That's, yeah. Uh, Minnesota Twins lead the uh, Central by 3. Now um, that's very, that, that, that'll, that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun yeah. there, too. Astros lead the Athletics by eight in the West. Yeah. You know, the Astro, the Athletics aren't a bad baseball no, they team are not. either. Uh, Braves lead the East by six and a half games uh, over the Nationals, seven over the Phillies. The Cubs and Cards right now, it says they're tied for first place with yep. the Brewers. Uh, I'm going to make it real simple. Only one team is coming out of that division. Oh, and the other thing, too, is, is that uh, Cards-Cubs play tonight. It, right. It'll be the rubber game, and it'll be interesting to see if the uh, Cubs can finally win a road series for the first time would since you, mid-May. Would you think that only one team comes out of that division, or is another wild-card team coming out of there? I, I think it very well could be possible that uh, two teams make it. Well, we'll see about that. And then, finally, when you look at the bottom of that division, though, the Reds are only six and a half out, even right. though they traded away a good portion of their team. Pirates are ten and a half out, but then out in the West, it's pretty much the Dodgers and everybody else sucks. Yep, that's pretty much it. But I think one of those teams is going to win the World Series. One of those division leaders, or, or the, my wild card right now in the in the National League, I would probably go with the Nationals, and then I guess, I guess I'd have to go with either the Phillies or the Cards, one or the other. I don't know if the Cards are going to take home the division or not. It's looking kind of tough. He's just shaking his head at me. No, it's so you, know, you know, the Cardinals haven't made the uh, playoffs, and uh, this will be the fourth straight season in a uh, row. You won the Stanley Cup, so stop complaining. Well, no, no, no that, that, that's fine. That's I'm fine okay too. with that, but this is the baseball uh, part, <laughs> and I can't, I, I can't, I can't uh, be joyous because of my uh, St. Louis Blues. <laughs> JR from the 803 Baseball Nerdcast joining me here on the rundown this afternoon. Hey, buddy, I appreciate you checking in, man. Oh, Thanks I so appreciate much. you asking me uh, to join you today. We, it's awesome you join me here on the show. Of course, we've had great football talk and baseball talk today here on the rundown. Lawton Swan of Clemson Sports Talk is next. He is the czar of Clemson Sports, the bald man on the radio peering at us through the window. Like, like number one. Number one. That's who it is. Clemson. There you go. All right, number one in the country, the Clemson Tigers. There you the go. The man that has the Clemson Sports Talk is next. I'm Rob Sanders on Twitter at Rob Sounds Good. See you tomorrow. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.